I felt strongly that we needed to listen to that this morning because I do believe that God is calling us to be a remnant of people who are believing for miracles, signs, and wonders and he is going to move in a greater way than we've ever, ever even thought of or seen before. I'm really happy because a lot of the things Will said this morning are exactly lining up with what I am sharing. And isn't the Holy Spirit amazing? Because he just, he just tells us, right? So I'm going to start with a story this morning. And this is my story. And this is one of the times at 3 in the morning the Lord said, this is how I want you to start. So... I'm going to be vulnerable and open and share this story with you this morning. So I wanted to, at the age of about eight or nine, I, my family didn't go to church. I actually lived in Vernon on Route 7 right next to Pelton Cider Mill, if any of you know that area. And in our backyard, we had a swing. And I used to go out on the swing, and I would talk to God all the time. And I would write little songs in my head and sing songs to God at like the age of eight or nine. And um, I just knew he was there, and I knew he was listening, and so I would do that. And then when I was almost 10, I realized I wanted to go to church. And so I got on my bike, and I rode the mile down the road to Berg Hill Baptist Church. Found my way into a Sunday school class, then went to services, got saved, and decided I wanted to be baptized. And so the pastor met with my parents, and then they started, they came to my baptism and then they started coming to church. And then a year later, my dad was a deacon. My mom was a deaconess. I was leading the youth choir and, well, about when I was 14. And I got very, very involved in that church. I became a state Baptist youth counselor <clears throat> at camp for a couple of years. And my senior year of high school, I was counseling a survivor camp, and I was so on fire for God. And I'm, I was sitting outside with a friend who was getting ready to go on a missions trip, and I said this statement, I am so close to Jesus, the devil can't touch me. So fast forward a year later, I had moved out of my parents' house in the middle of the night when they didn't know. I was living with someone, and I'm being very transparent here, of the opposite sex. I was drinking, and my life was a mess, a mess, a year later. And I knew something was, I knew in my spirit, I was very tortured. I knew all of this was wrong. So at one point, my life actually became in danger, and I snuck out of that situation, and I found an apartment in Cortland, and I didn't have any furniture. I only had a few boxes of things I had taken from my parents' house. This particular apartment didn't have wall lights, so I didn't have lamps. And I just had the clothes on my back and two boxes of things. And one night, I was sitting in my apartment telling God I just wanted to die. I didn't want to go on anymore. Life was futile. It was purposeless. I had screwed up so badly. I just wanted to die. I thought about taking my own life, actually. And when I was sitting there in the dark, and I, I had a candle, for, I don't know where I got the candle from, but I had a candle for light, that was it, in this dark. I can still see myself sitting in this living room. And I heard in my spirit, 
your Bible is in that box in the closet. Go get it. So I did. I got up. I took my candle. I went into the closet. I dug into the bottom of the box, and there was my Bible that got me all through high school that was all marked up and dog-eared. And I just opened it and sat down and started reading the book of John. And I wasn't very far into it when my whole demeanor changed. And all of a sudden, I had hope again. I, I, I can't even explain to you the transformation and how it took place in me because it wasn't something I made happen. It was just reading the Word of God. I started to feel like, I can do this again. I can be the person God wants me to be. And so I decided at that point, I'm just going to move on, and I'm going to stop and put everything behind me that doesn't belong, and I'm going to get back on the right track. So I said that, and I had new hope, but I didn't actually get involved in a church or anything like that. I was just doing it on my own. And about a year later, I met the man that I was going to marry. And he was a believer too, but he didn't go to church either. So you know, we, we knew we believed in Jesus, and we were good that way, but we didn't belong to a church anywhere, and we got married. And um, for those of you who are young and are not married yet, and the Bible says not to be unequally yoked, pay attention to that, because for 20-some years, I went to church alone <laughs> with my children. So we got married and when my oldest son was two years old, we got an opportunity to move out to the Philadelphia area. And we went out there. And the goal was for me to stay home with our child, but we got there one week and realized the cost of living is like four times what it is in Ohio. And I had to get a job. We knew nobody in this whole area. So I had to get a job, and I interviewed with two places, and both of the owners of the companies were named Paul, which was interesting. One was an insurance company, one was a real estate company. And the reason I picked the real estate company is because the insurance company smoked in the office, and I didn't want to be around that. So I go to work for this real estate uh, person, and after I start there, I find out very quickly, he's a born-again Christian, a pillar of his church. His kids all work in the real estate office, and they're all born-again Christians. Half the staff goes to his church. And so I'm back in an environment again of people that love Jesus. And I get immersed back into people. They invited me to church, of course. And I would go on occasion. It was, um, I had a two-year-old by then, you know, so it was difficult because I would try to take him with me. And that didn't always work out so well. Um, But I got kind of involved. I mean, I would go once in a while. I didn't get actually engaged in the church body. So I went through my time so-so, you know. I was believing in God, but just kind of complacent in my faith and getting through the day. And if I got into trouble, I'd pray, get me out of it. But it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like out there living for God. So I had my second son, and when he was about six months old, I'm walking him in the stroller, and I meet this young woman who had just moved into the apartment complex we were in, and her name was Becky. And she had a daughter one month younger than my baby. And so we started talking every day, and I found out she was a Christian, and we just would spend time together watching the kids play. And then I met her husband, and they lived near the playground, so we could, like, watch the kids play and chat. Well, after I knew them about a month, they invited me to a brunch at their house at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. 
just me, not my kids. So I went, and they had invited uh, two other people. So we find out at this brunch that they are actually Assemblies of God, home missions pastors, sent to plant a church right where I lived. And they wanted to know if we would come alongside them and help them. So I did. And within a couple of years, I was leading worship and teaching Sunday school and leading the adult Bible study. And we became fast friends. And they needed actually a part-time job, so I had got jobs for them at my company. And as time went on, we became such good friends and were so engaged in each other's lives that I was working a lot, spending a lot of time with my church friends and not spending time with my husband. So, fast forward a year or two, and I said I spent a lot of time at work, spent a lot of time in ministry, and very little time with my husband. In one month in 1998 in January, I lost my job and my church. Well, actually within two weeks. The two things that I put the most weight on, I lost. And when I was crying out to God about it, why? Why? Why would this happen? He put me to the scripture in the Bible where David was counting his fighting men before he went to battle. And he said, you are putting your trust in things and ministry and work. And you're neglecting me, really, and your husband. And so I took it away. Do you think that was easy? That was brutal. And the next week after losing the church and my job, my husband came to me on a Sunday morning and said, you need to be back in church. You need to go find a church because you need it. You need to go be back with other believers. So that week, I met somebody who came into my office at work and said, would you, would you like to join my family and I for church? They had a breakfast before a church. He said, come meet us for breakfast and then come to church with us. And I did. And I knew I was home. And I ended up being at that church until I moved back to Ohio. And I was very instrumental. I was in worship and women's ministry and altar team and all of that fun stuff. And um, I, you know what? I got to back up because I skipped something. When I was with that Assemblies of God Home Missions pastor, I had been in Baptist churches my whole life. I've always talked to God. Nobody could tell me that you, God doesn't speak today. But they taught me about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I wanted that more than anything. And I just started praying every night on my knees, worshiping God and praying that he would just come and fill me. And one night he did. I mean, it's, it changed my life. There was a power I was always missing. And I just thank God that they taught me about that. And then I now am filled with the Holy Spirit. I go to this new church. They're in revival. They are in revival. They had a prayer night that was supposed to be five nights, and it went 40-some nights. Like, they, it was the place I needed to be. It was amazing. The prophetic was flowing. The deliverance ministry, like, everything was flowing. And we just went through seasons and seasons of teaching and releasing people all over the world. So I'm at this church, and then... Um, I lose my job again in 2010 because of the real estate industry, and my husband and I at that time said, we need to get back to Ohio, because my father had passed in 2011, and we said we would always come back before any of our parents passed away. 
So I got a, I had a job where they relocated me, but I didn't have, um, we couldn't sell our house because it was when the market was horrible. So I came and moved with my mom in Kinsman for uh, six months. It ended up being six months. And we had gone to three or four churches because I said, come on, mom, let's go to church. And every time I drove by here, the sign literally would like grab me. Like, you need to come. You need to come. I could feel it in my spirit. So finally one Sunday I said, Mom, I'll go to church with you, but I'm only going if we go to Rock of Grace because I feel like we're supposed to go there. So she said, okay. And I walked in the door and thought, whoa, this is home. This is home. I just knew immediately it was home. Now, I kind of stayed back for a few months because the church I came from ended up being um, incredibly unhealthy, and I just didn't believe it was as good here as I thought. <laughs> like, I didn't want to get involved or engaged right away because this church can't be that healthy. They're hiding something. But after a few months, I thought, you know what? I don't see any red flags. I'm going to get in, involved and engaged. And that was 2012, so nine years ago. So two years later, my husband was diagnosed with brain cancer. And he started coming to church. Not only did he come to church, Pastor Mark would go see him. Even though he didn't have a relationship with him before that, he would go regularly visit and pray and talk with my husband. And my husband loved Pastor Mark. There was, that was so powerful. And he realized then, I need to be in church, because he knew he was dying. So my husband passed away, and two years later, well, two and a half years later, I started dating someone, and um, Christian man prayed every, every day, God, is this right for me? Is this what it should be? And we were still dating, and about six months ago, I was up here on the stage worshiping, and often the Holy Spirit will speak to me when I'm worshiping, even when I'm singing, like it's multitasking to an nth degree. So the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to step back. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, you need to step back. So I scheduled a meeting with some intercessors and went to pray with them. And the very first thing one of them said to me was, I, I don't understand this, but when I was praying for you, the first thing I heard was, you need to step back. It's like, okay, there's my confirmation right there. So I stepped back in March of this year. So, if you didn't see me for a while, that was why. And I didn't know what God was going to do, but I knew it was going to be something. And for some reason, even though he didn't tell me this, I thought it was going to be about six months. So I let Jordan and Will both know, for both ministries, that I was going to take a sabbatical. I wasn't leaving. I was still tithing. I was still part of this church. But for some reason, I needed to step back. And over the summer, the relationship I was in, I just started to not sleep well. I felt anxious a lot. And something just didn't feel right. And then we had some turbulence, and then um, I came to church at the end of July, and Holy Spirit told me, you need to break up. You need to break up with him. So I thought I was going to marry this man. But that's not what God wanted. And I knew it was God. And it wasn't easy. It was extremely hard. But I knew it was God. 
So why am I telling you all of this? I think it's so cool that we sang Reckless Love today because my message that I want to talk about today is how God always chases after you. How many times in my life, and these aren't all, these are just some main parts of my life, how many times did God come after me? Even when I was doing the right things, it wasn't what he wanted for me. It was he wanted more. He always wants more for us. Always. He is never content. We are not dead yet, so we are not complete, right? There is always more in the kingdom for us. So in John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And In the Passion Translation, it says, But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. Wow. Are you overflowing today? I know when I'm here and I'm in worship, I feel like I'm overflowing the Holy Spirit, but are you overflowing every day? God wants us to overflow with his abundance every single day. And you know what motivates him? Love. It's because he loves us. In Romans 8.39, it says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. So how many times does God come after you? If you stopped and think about it, I bet you could think of many times that you altered your direction, changed course, because God came after you. Especially when you got saved, right? He came after you. Recently, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me that this is a season of God's presence and presence. So P-R-E-N-S-E-N-C-E and P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. This is a season of presence and presence. I believe God's calling us to an even greater season of his presence. And he's going to pour out his presence, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in a way we've not seen before. I believe this with every fiber of my being because he has told me so. I believe that every single person in this room is a vessel ready to receive Holy Spirit, power, gifts, and authority. And every single person in this room, God wants you to be in his presence. There is nobody here that's exempt from that. He's raising us up to be courageous. We are, need to be sold out on our knees in his presence and taking his power and his authority out of here and into the world. He is calling us to be courageous. And it starts with laying down your own agenda. <laughs> you might have to lay down a relationship. You might have to lay down a job. You might have to lay down a ministry. We have to be open to whatever he says because he knows what's best for us. And if you're getting little stirrings in your heart of something doesn't feel quite right, pay attention. Because he will keep coming after you because he loves us. It's only because he loves us. I believe that we are going to walk into a season of abundance, of presence, and presence. 
And I believe we're going to do it together as a remnant here at Rock of Grace. I believe this word is for you and me. And that there's a corporate anointing when we do this in unity together as a family. So I got this word on September 25th of this year, and I'm going to read this to you. But first I need a drink. Sorry. This is a season of restoration. Restoration of dreams, visions, powerful encounters, and a cry for holiness. Restoration of the power of God to be worshipped and revered. Restoration of the power of the cross and the power of faith in the one who hung on the tree. Restoration of authority and power in the Holy Spirit. Restoration of miracles, signs, and wonders. Restoration of the temple. Restoration of the sacred and the holy. Restoration of the set apart and the consecration of the saints. Restoration of the anointing and spiritual fervor. I am awakening eyes that see, ears that hear, and mouths that are not afraid to proclaim both my goodness and my wrath. I seek tongues that are wholly mine. I seek eyes that see my vision and mouths that will tell of my dreams. I seek whole hearts, undivided alliances, and pure thoughts. I seek adoring hearts and captive minds. I seek the lost to be found and the slave to be free. I am a jealous God, and I will share you with no other. I'm a righteous God, and I will judge in righteousness. I am a holy God, and I will not tolerate a sinning heart. I am a merciful God, and I want all to know my love. I surrendered so that you could live. I surrendered so that you could have an abundant life. I seek you. I seek you. I seek you. Seek me while I may be found. In Romans 8.37, we are called to be more than conquerors through him that loved us, and that requires some action on our part. We cannot conquer what we do not confront. I'm going to say that again. We can't conquer what we don't confront. We must be willing to face what needs to be conquered in our lives so that we can have victory over it. If you ignore it, where is your victory? So we have a part to play in all of this. We're promised an abundant life, but we have a responsibility. In Matthew 6.33, it says to seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. And what things? In verse 31, it says everything you need. But we have to seek first his kingdom. So I hope you're feeling a little challenged this morning by this word. None of us should be content in what we have today in our relationship with God. That's a little challenging, right? But if we are, then we're not expecting more. We need that heart of expectation. God wants to take us somewhere new. And Will just said that this morning. He prophesied that, didn't he? He wants to take us somewhere new. But we have a responsibility to be open and prepared for that. Even if you are doing everything you feel like you should be doing and you're spending time with the Lord every day, there's still more. There's still more. 
He is always arming us, equipping us, and preparing us and sending us. Always. It doesn't stop until we are in his arms in heaven. We just need to have an open heart and listen to him. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, in the Passion Translation, it says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me and put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I am walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. I just love that. That is so good. I know there's people here today that are walking on a path of pain because you're not sleeping or you're anxious or you're worried. That's not what he wants for us. He wants a peace and abundance. In my life, I've seen time after time, God come after me. Sometimes I responded quickly. Sometimes I didn't. But then after, when you don't respond quickly, then after you see, after you finally respond and you look back and you're like, oh, why didn't I do that six months ago? I could have felt so much better. I could have had so much more peace. You know, he, he has restored recently in my life such a love and adoration for him. I was in church last week in Texas with a friend, and everybody was worshiping, and I looked at my friend, and I said, because God has told me that he's my husband right now. I said, wow, people all over the world worship my husband. My husband's way better than your husband. <laughs> and she just kind of laughed. She goes, I like that. And I'm like, look, everybody praises him. He doesn't do anything wrong. He's awesome. He never screws up. He is the best husband I could possibly have. You know, I heard Chris Valton say recently in a, in a sermon I listened to that courage is not the absence of fear. It is the presence of perseverance. And he also said we have to have courage so that other people can have courage so that other people can actually have the plan of God fulfilled in their lives. So I'm telling you today, I heard this knowing I had a word God was brewing in me, and I had to be courageous. Because when I heard that, I thought, what if I didn't share this, and somebody in this room or online gets a change in their life to bring them closer to God? And I was, not, I was afraid, and I didn't share it. And that's what I think God is doing in all of us. He is going to call us to be courageous. Because as we lay our lives down before him and we lay our agendas down for him and he comes in his presence with his presence, there's going to be things that you're going to want to do for him. But you can't be afraid. We can't be afraid. We need to be courageous. Because some of it might be really out of our box. But I'm curious to know if you're ready for that. Because I think we are, and I think it's coming. And I don't want anybody to be not in with the rest of us. I think we're going to do this all together. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to hear some amazing stories from each other about crazy stuff you did. Because God told you to. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. We're going to take some time together in just a couple minutes to be quiet we're going to dim the lights. We're going to play a song. And I want you to ask Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me this morning? Not what do you want to say to my spouse or my child or my parent or my brother or my sister or my friend. What do you want to say just to me?
But before we go there, I want to say something else. If you're sitting here today or you're online and you say, wow, God has been coming after me and coming after me and I have not responded to him. I've continued to hide or run or be rebellious or just I was afraid but I've been listening to you this morning and I'm like, I want an abundant life. I don't want to live in fear. I want to be full of the presence of God. I need to stop running. I need to stop avoiding this, this God who loves me so much that he never gives up on me. So I want to offer that invitation. If you're here today or you're online and you say, so many times I ignored God chasing me down. I didn't even know it was him, maybe. Maybe you didn't even know it was him. But now you realize, okay, maybe that was God. If that's anybody here today, just be bold. And just like when an enemy surrenders to, the, to their captor, we surrender to the heart of God. So if that's anybody here, just raise your hands and surrender. We're going to pray together. Okay, we're going to pray together anyway because there might be somebody online too. So if you would all join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Jesus, I come to you and I surrender. You have been chasing me because you love me and I have avoided you. So right now, I give you my life. I ask you to deliver me from sin. Wash me in your blood. Make me clean and give me an abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to take some time right now. And this is what I want to encourage you. We're going to dim the lights like we do during worship. We're going to play a song. I would highly encourage you to get up out of your seat and go somewhere in the sanctuary. If you want to go over to the side, up front, at the altar, you don't have to. It's just an encouragement. But to get away from who you're sitting next to, and I think that's important because you want to not be distracted. You just want to hear Holy Spirit. And let me say this. I feel this so strongly. Every single person in this room, Holy Spirit is speaking to. Do you feel your heart stirring? Do you, have you felt your heart stirring? Do you know there's something more? for you? Do you feel an excitement welling out of you that, you know what? God has more for me. He has abundance for me. I haven't attained anything yet. I feel like there, this is such a word that there's nobody exempt from this. Nobody's good enough to not get more from God. Nobody's close enough to God in this room to not get more from him. Nobody. We just need to humble ourselves, lay down our own agenda, and ask Holy Spirit. And we need to be ready to hear what he has to say because he might say some crazy things. He might tell you to quit your job. He might tell you to break off a relationship. He might tell you to move. Who knows? Could be some crazy things. So if you, if you do need to leave, I do ask that you please do not speak until you leave the sanctuary because I really want this to be 
a holy moment. You and Holy Spirit, just the two of you. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in this church when we sell ourselves out to whatever God's plans are for us. So if you want to go ahead and start the song and dim the lights, I'm done. Thank you. Let's see what God does. So feel free to move anywhere you want and just get alone with Jesus and the Holy Spirit.